the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Morgan Zeggers. Um, let's play a button. We uh, are trained Marxists. Two buttons. I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. And then, because we're talking about the elites today, let's do a Nancy one. We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. Um, You guys, today we're talking about what the heck is in the Ukraine package. We're talking about the WHO, the World Health Organization, and the international health regulations. The amendments, the changes that they are going to be working on at a later meeting this month that apparently, I kid you not, could override American national sovereignty with this globalist WHO regulation from the health experts that are actually put in there by communist Chinese dollars. Um, That's a whole other story. But um, then we're also going to do an economics update because, you guys, this baby formula shortage turns out scarier and creepier than you may have initially thought, than I had initially thought, and very naive of me. How dare I? Usually I'm smarter than this. And I was like, oh! I didn't even think that that could be the case, but it makes total sense. Okay, let's get started. Actually, just kidding. Remember, you guys, if you want a flag from me, go to zeggersfreedomflags.shop. Use code FREEDOM for free shipping. I have my nonprofit, and we have the show interviewing survivors from communism who lived through socialism, communism, or general government tyranny. That's coming out in probably June. We're going to start launching the social pages for that soon. So keep an eye out for now. Um, follow, subscribe to Young Americans Against Socialism on YouTube. And then they're also going to be available on Rumble. First of all, let's talk about what the heck is in this $40 billion Ukraine package. Um Here's an interesting clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Thank you. I rise in opposition to the Ukrainian supplemental bill, $40 billion, but there's no baby formula for American mothers and babies. An unknown amount of money to the CIA in the Ukraine supplemental bill, but there's no formula for American babies and mothers. $54 million in COVID spending in Ukraine, but there's no formula for American babies and mothers. $900 million for nonprofits and organizations in Ukraine, but there's no formula for American babies and mothers. $8.7 billion for economic support and funding in Ukraine, but there's no formula for American mothers and babies. If this is about claiming that it's about saving lives, let's be real, then we would care about war-torn countries like Ethiopia. So that's a bunch of hypocrisy because I never hear Ethiopia brought up here. 
totally ignoring, completely ignoring our own border crisis, our own baby formula crisis, and brutal inflation skyrocketing gas prices that no one can afford but $40 billion for Ukraine? Stop funding regime change and money laundering scams and U.S. politician cover-ups of their crimes in countries like Ukraine. The American people do not support paying for constant U.S. involvement in foreign affairs while our own government fails our own country. Let me remind everyone here, we swore an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and our borders. We should be paying attention to our country right now. I yield back. Thank you. Mm, All right. So that really sums it up, doesn't it? Um, That being said... Let's go into an article by Breitbart that summarizes things for us. It says, House approves new aid package for Ukraine worth $40 billion. Um, It says the House passed an aid package for Ukraine worth nearly $40 billion late on Tuesday, which would procure military equipment and weapons to ship to the war-torn country. Lawmakers in the chamber voted 368 to 57 in favor of the bill. Because remember, you guys, there's 435 representatives in Congress. So most of them voted in favor of this. Most Republicans, most Democrats. That says something, I think. And not a good something, I would say. Um, All 57 who voted against the package were Republicans. Rep. Rosa DeLauro, a Democrat from Connecticut and chair of the House Appropriations Committee, praised the bill or also called the Additional Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act of 2022 for protecting Ukraine's democracy while strengthening national security at home. For nearly three months now, Russian President Vladimir Putin's greed, growing aggression, and unyielding pursuit of power has led to a grievous loss of life and humanitarian devastation, she said. Given the magnitude of the terror campaign being waged against the Ukrainian people and Ukrainian democracy, we are morally obligated to ensure Ukraine has the security and economic aid they need. The package also includes $6 billion in assistance for training, equipment, weapons, and logistics support, as well as $8.7 billion to replenish U.S. stocks of military equipment that Joe Biden's administration has already sent. More than $5 billion is included to alleviate global food insecurity, $3.9 billion for European command operations, $900 million allotted to refugee support services for arrivals from Ukraine, and nearly $14 billion for the State Department aid to Kiev. Tuesday's vote came after Biden called on Congress last month to authorize more aid for Ukraine. Now, I just want to pause you guys. There is a, a difference, I would say, between just sending over money to other countries because we believe we are responsible for that as you know the world leaders, but at the same time our country isn't exactly in world leadership status at the moment. Um, but as that figure on the world stage, some people see it as important for us to be aiding all of these conflicts. The other angle to that is, okay, well, there's a lot of conflicts going on that we also don't meddle in, so what about this makes it so special? What about this makes it so specific? There's a lot of corruption in Ukraine. There is a lot of corruption between Democrats and in America and Ukraine, the politicians there. There's one thing that really is quite interesting to me, and it was officials that from the Obama administration 
they had been talking about how it was really hard to do the creation of democracy, the the stabilizing of democracy in Ukraine, and claim that our American representatives were there at that time in the administration to help foster democracy and to help create transparency and ethical leadership when apparently everybody knew that behind the scenes there was a ton of corruption between American politicians like President Biden and the people that they were trying to put in power and the stuff that was really going on behind closed doors. And so it was very hard for American representatives to like look the Ukrainian leaders in the face and say, we're here to help bring transparency and good leadership. And in reality, everybody in the room would know what was actually going on. I mean, Ukraine is the same company or country where the energy company that paid Hunter Biden $80,000 a month to be on the board, that's where that company was, Ukraine. Ukraine is also the place where President Trump had the call with President Zelensky, remember this, and then some random whistleblower ended up being a total dork, jerk, bureaucrat, decided to report the president and claim that he was he was doing impeachable offenses on the call with Zelensky. That was the president of Ukraine. So it's oddly continuing to appear in current events in a bad way and now all of a sudden we're into this mess so people are are i would say rightfully frustrated to see us going to the aid of this country and those leaders specifically considering the ties that the democratic party has to ukraine on one hand you yes definitely have those people that say we need to be helping a country like this we need to be helping people when they're struggling in the world and then there's other people on this that support supporting Ukraine because they see it as strengthening America, weakening Russia without having to be directly involved in that weakening of Russia. And and so I see where that comes from. I think Dan Crenshaw, the congressman from Texas, is the one who said that. And so I, I see where people come from all of these angles. But I think the biggest point in all of this is that our country is not in a place. Americans are not in a place where, first of all, They even want to help other people right now because we are struggling ourselves. And then second, the PR of this is just terrible. We have a crisis going on right now of baby formula shortages. We have inflation where gas is uh, 44% higher. It it was $6, $7 gallons of gas. That's what we're dealing with right now. Plane tickets, 33% higher. Um, I think there's some other numbers. Airfare, 33%. Eggs, 23%. Utility gas, 23%. Hotels, 23%. Chicken, 15 Beef, 14 Flour, 14 Electricity, 11 All of these seem like, like small numbers. Like, oh, it's just 11%. But when you are an average American family, working class, middle class, that budgets, that is on a a strict income and you can only have so many expenses these are massive changes we're talking five to six thousand dollars a year of increased expenses for the american family this is an indirect tax being put on the american population working class and middle class it's affecting them the most because rich people are like "Eh, average everyday items are a little bit more expensive whatever it doesn't dent their wallet but it absolutely impacts the lives of average americans And it is not having a pretty outcome. So this is not only just frustrating in the sense of all of the corruption that we're hearing about the elite families of America tied to Ukraine, specifically Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. 
specifically what we've heard about the Clinton campaign. There's that frustration. There's the frustration of we are not in a place to help people. We have a a massive, massive level of issues in our country to deal with ourselves. And then on top of that, there's other people that are just like, what the heck are we doing getting involved in these issues? So I, I, I see all angles on this. And I honestly do lead to or lean to being on the side that's more in favor of saying, what the heck are we doing right now? And I don't trust the elites. I don't trust the people saying that we need to come to the defense of democracy in Ukraine. I think it's more, if you want to get practical with me, if you want to win my support for why we're doing something like this, then you tell me, okay, Russia is a rising world superpower, and we need to start hacking away at their power. And one of the more strategic ways to do that is to support their current enemy, Ukraine, and it's going to slowly whittle down Russia. That would make my mind go, okay, that makes more sense. Instead of just telling me that while we're going through all these crises in America, we must protect the democracy of one random country in the in the world. So I, perhaps it's a messaging problem, but I would say it's a accumulation of so many different issues and so many failures, whether it's the messaging or the intention or the core purpose or the fact that there's no transparency. And that's what I want to get into next. Let's let's continue to read this article. So it says the Republicans who voted against this bill voiced disapproval over the speed with which it was approved. Chip Roy of Texas complained on the House floor that he hadn't had a chance to see what the legislation included and forced a vote to adjourn that failed. He said, quote, why don't we have a debate on the floor of the People's House instead of the garbage of getting a $40 billion bill at 3 in the afternoon, not paid for, without having any idea what's really in it? I think I have a clip. Let me play that. Yes, I do. Let's see. Thank you, Madam Speaker. The gentleman from Maryland talked about protecting this institution or talked about this institution, but we got a $40 billion bill at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't had a chance to review the bill. My staff is pouring over the pages trying to see what's in it. You want to talk about the institution? You want to talk about standing up alongside Ukraine? Why don't we actually have a debate on the floor of the People's House instead of the garbage of getting a $40 billion bill at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, not paid for, without having any idea what's really in it, with a massive slush fund that goes to the State Department, $13 billion, $8 billion for the Economic Support Fund, $110 million for embassy security. We've got $40 billion that is unpaid for, and you want to sit here and lecture this body about what we're going to do or not do about standing alongside Ukraine? Why don't we talk about the American people who are hurting, the wide open borders, the inflation that's killing people, the jobs that people can't get because of the cost of goods and services in this country? Sitting here and being lectured to when I don't even have time to look at a $40 billion unpaid bill. I make a motion to adjourn. Mm. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah, you guys, I, I would agree with that. Like I said, I'm trying to respect all sides on this. I'm trying to see where everybody's coming from. But at the end of the day, my biggest concern is this sham reasoning that they're giving us instead of being practical. I think on top of that, this is just funding and continuing as the wars are ending in the Middle East. They're like, you know what? We got to keep the military industrial complex up and running. Let's go. Now, looking at this from the bigger perspective of are we repeating World War II where we appeased, appeased, appeased a Nazi Germany style um, country but we're doing it this time with russia and putin i would argue you guys yes there's always a risk of if you don't handle a situation then you're gonna you're gonna be dealing with some problems and so i understand where people are coming from with us funding this us being a part of this now kind of nips it in the bud and weakens russia i i get it what they're saying i would say though i also don't 
really respect any leftist or liberal that will tell us that while also completely appeasing communist China. I mean, that truly is the genocidal, murderous regime that wants to take over the world. And yes, they partner with Russia. They don't exactly like Russia, but they partner with Russia. And the left is appeasing them constantly. I mean, we always say, don't repeat history. Don't repeat history. We're going we're gonna to repeat the Nazis, and Russia's going to come, and all this stuff, and we've got evil Putin. As they're saying this, uh, that we can't possibly repeat the rise of the Nazis, Trump is a Nazi, conservatives are Nazis, this is all happening again. You have communist China committing genocide against its own people, has killed millions, is still in power, still massively hurting its people. And then we were like, okay, let's have the uh, Winter Olympics there in Beijing. That sounds like a good idea. Did you know that the Olympics were also held in Nazi Germany and it allowed Hitler to put on a good face for the rest of the world and continue his shenanigans for a very long time when it could have been, again, nipped in the bud if people had stepped up? But what do you know? So I'm more concerned. It's it's quite hypocritical for them to say, you are not stepping up and preventing a World War III by wanting to go give aid to Ukraine as they're also completely ignoring, not just ignoring, but getting rich off of the money because of the elite capture process that the Chinese communists are implementing on American elites. And that includes media, politicians, athletes, business leaders, corporations, and everything else. So that's my really big concern if we're talking about a World War III situation. Now, what really hurts me getting into like a history lesson kind of thing, the legislature is responsible for deciding where funds go. So they make the laws and then they send out the money to be able to implement those laws and to to carry them out. But now, politics is so broken, our system is so broken in America today, that what Chip Roy said is exactly what's happening. They do things like proposing thousands of pages of bills, millions of dollars, billions of dollars in these bills, and then they say, okay, please show up and vote. Uh, we, You're going to have 10 minutes to read through this, but just trust us, we're going to be good. And so that is exactly what's happening right now with this $40 billion that is supposed to go protect democracy in Ukraine. So to go along with the concern of the process of how this was done, the latest news on this is that Rand Paul is trying to halt this. He understands that it's going to go through anyways, but he's trying to halt it and slow it down as much as possible to require proper transparency on these funds. And so here's the clip of him talking about this. My oath of office is to the U.S. Constitution, not to any foreign nation. And no matter how sympathetic the cause, my oath of office is to the national security of the United States of America. We cannot save Ukraine by dooming the U.S. economy. This bill under consideration would spend $40 billion. This is the second spending bill for Ukraine in two months. And this bill is three times larger than the first. Our military aid to Ukraine is nothing new, though. Since 2014, the United States has provided more than $6 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. In addition to the $14 billion Congress authorized just a month ago, if this bill passes, the U.S. will have authorized roughly $60 billion in total spending for Ukraine. For those who say this is not enough, for those of you in this chamber who say that our military spending is never enough, let's put $60 billion into perspective. According to Elias Youssef, a security assistance at the Stimson Center, Kiev would become the largest yearly recipient of U.S. military aid of the past two decades. Except for the top five countries... $60 billion is more than every other country in the world spends on their entire military expenditures. If this gift to Ukraine passes, our total aid to Ukraine will almost equal the entire military budget 
of Russia. And it's not as if we have that money lying around. We will have to borrow that money from China to send it to Ukraine. Wow. Wow. Um, That's pretty shocking to me, pretty staggering. Now, you guys, this, this all comes down to who we put in office. Should we be electing people into office who have their their children sitting on the boards of corrupt companies in corrupt countries, getting kickbacks and then paying their parents a major percentage of their pay? Hunter Biden getting $80,000 a month from a Ukrainian energy company. Hunter Biden getting money from communist China to do something similar as well. And in the Hunter Biden laptop, Emails proving that he pays 10% to 50% of his income from these jobs where he has no, no resume that would get him that job in the first place. 10 to 15% go to his dad, the big guy on the laptops, Joe Biden, who's now president. So again, it comes back to that question, intentional or incompetence. When we send people to Washington, D.C., they need to at their core understand that America comes first. American priorities come first. Of course, we need to have peace through strength. But right now, we have th- we don't have that. Instead, we just have massive shoveling of American taxpayer dollars out to other countries. And, and as Rand Paul said, that w- those are some baffling numbers. So with that being said, um, clearly, I'm quite frustrated by that. I think you should be as well. And it comes down to who we elect to represent us and what we expect from our leaders. And right now, not enough people care. So... That's that's the key. Make them care. Get them aware. Send them to the bowls. Um, next topic, you guys. I w- <laughs> this is going to be baffling for you. Okay? So just, just listen. If you're aware of what happened with, with COVID and with the fact that communist China from the start, first of all, they lied about COVID being spread from person to person. Remember that? The good old days. They lied about this. They lied about the Wuhan lab theory. They disappeared, and who knows what they did with them, disappeared any doctors, any journalists that tried to reach out to the rest of the world to let them know, hey, hey, this actually does spread person to person. This came from XYZ. You guys are being lied to. Any doctor that tried to whistle or blow the whistle on this, it's called, quote, disappeared. They were disappeared. Not sure where they are. That's how communist China handles things. So what happened is the WHO, for years, China had actually been buying influence in the WHO. And then when COVID-19 happened, they utilized that, that investment that they've been making to use influence over what the world thought about communist China because of COVID-19. And so the WHO did the dirty work of the CCP to help them get away with it. Now, you guys... That being said, and, and an interesting and important rem- reminder is that these health people don't give a crap. First of all, international people do not think like Americans in terms of our Bill of Rights, our constitutional rights, none of this stuff. Like, we, are, we live in such an exceptional society because of that. Like, we are really blessed. Other countries don't think like that, especially people at the WHO, especially the CCP. But then you have to take it a step further and think there's a ton of people in America who don't even think that, you know, our rights come from God and are protected by government and protecting them is the most important thing that you can do. And not only that, but a lot of people often dangerously give up their rights and freedom in exchange for a false feeling of security and safety. And that happens all the time. That happened with COVID. So that's why you had Dr. Fauci, the science guy, the 
the scholar, the person who knows better than all of us, the highest paid bureaucrat in the U.S. government. He makes over $400,000, I think. Highest paid bureaucrat in the American government. Isn't that crazy? So either way, he had been asked about it. Of, Do you worry about the rights of the American people with all of your lockdowns and regulations and mandates and restrictions? And he said, this isn't a liberty thing to me. No, I don't really worry about it. This isn't a liberty thing to me. This is a health thing. <laughs> it's like, what? Then this is why unelected people shouldn't have the power that Fauci now has. Because you can't get him out of office now. You can't remove him. The establishment, first of all, supports him being there. And you can't remove him. The people, even though we disagree with him, we cannot vote him out. And he has the power to ruin our lives. And this man doesn't respect the American Constitution and founding principles so much so that he says, well, I don't really think about that. It's not really a freedom thing to me. It's not really a liberty thing to me. It's a health thing. So that's why I don't really worry about that. Um, Sir, you need to go. So bringing it to that, think of this Fauci mentality where they can oppress us, restrict, take away our freedoms in the name of health. Now I want you guys to listen to this article from the Desert Review. Let's go. The article says the Biden administration is setting the stage to hand ultimate control of America's health care system and U.S. national sovereignty over to the World Health Organization, the WHO. On May 22nd to May 28th, 2022, the 75th World Health Assembly will convene at the United Nations headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, with delegates from 194 nations to vote on the Biden administration's amendments that will hand over national sovereignty and authority to the WHO, which during the COVID pandemic carried the water bucket for the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, regarding the Wuhan lab. On January 18, 2022, officials from the Biden administration quietly sent the WHO extensive amendments without an official statement or press conference. These proposed amendments are written to strengthen the organization's ability to unilaterally intervene in the affairs of nations merely suspected of having a, quote, health emergency, end quote, of possible concern to other nations. If the amendments are approved... The WHO will have the power to declare a, quote, international health emergency, end quote, nullifying the powers of nation states. What? The U.S. amendments delete a critical existing restriction in the regulations. What they're trying to delete says, quote, WHO shall consult with and attempt to obtain verification from the state party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring. Okay, so it, for some reason, the U.S. proposed amendment removes the requirement for the WHO to communicate and verify with that country's government before coming in and acting as an international power. Excuse me? Again, intentional or incompetence? It goes on and it says, This enables the Director General to declare health emergencies at will and can be used to justify ostracism and economic or financial actions against the targeted nation by other nations aligned with who or who wish to harm and control the accused nation. Excuse me? My heart. All right. The contents of the proposed amendments were not made public until April 12, 2022. The existing WHO regulations provide for an 18-month 
18-month grace period during which a nation may withdraw its yes vote for amendments. However, the current proposed amendments would reduce that opportunity to six months. If the amendments were passed, a majority of the nations could change their individual votes and reverse the approval in the next months. COVID-19, Make It the Last Pandemic, a report published by the UN in May 2021, claims that the pandemic would have been prevented if the WHO had been given more global authority. Excuse me? Imagine if the WHO, controlled by the CCP, was given global authority. The report states, quote, In its current form, the WHO does not possess such powers. To move on with the treaty, WHO therefore needs to be empowered financially and politically. The treaty should possess an adaptable incentive regime, including sanctions such as public reprimands, economic sanctions, or denial of benefits. On January 20th, 2021, Joe Biden sent a letter to Antonio Guterres, UN's Secretary General and member of the Portuguese Socialist Party, retracting President Donald Trump's withdrawal from the WHO. So you guys, after the CCP debacle happened and it was clear that the WHO was doing the dirty work of the CCP, Trump removed America from the WHO. It was awesome. Biden also appointed Dr. Fauci, head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, to represent the United States on the WHO's executive committee. So now we have Fauci, who says he doesn't care about freedom, he just cares about health. He is science. He is now on the executive committee of the WHO that is basically just bought and paid for by the CCP. In March 2020, the WHO pushed democratic nations to implement lockdowns, mandates, vaccine passports, digital, quote, health surveillance, etc. In fact, the WHO has developed guidance and even technical specifications for member states to adopt, quote, interoperable standards, end quote, for COVID-19 passports. Labeled, quote, interim guidance, end quote, the WHO's latest release pushes new digital vaccine passports, digital vaccine passports, to be used on a global scale. The WHO openly states these personalized digital documents could, quote, be extended to capture vaccination status to protect against other diseases in the future, and, quote, be used for continuity of care or as proof of vaccination for purposes other than healthcare, such as employment, university education, and international travel. See how they just sneak that in there, employment and education. And next thing will be groceries, because that's how these people operate. So let's talk a little bit, you guys. The, the problem with these radical people, there's a lot of problems with them, let's be honest. But let's talk about this idea of the government, a socialist or communist regime that believes in force, not choice. They give you these ID cards, and, and they've been seen in Venezuela. Um, I think they're also in Cuba. But for example, in Venezuela, your little card that you get from the government, everything is done with that card. So when you go to vote, that card is there and used. When you go to buy your groceries, that card is there and it is used. And so on your ID on the card, it will indicate what hour that you are allowed to show up at the grocery store and buy your groceries for that week for your family. And whatever is there on the shelves is what you can pick from. And let's just say it's not a lot. People in Venezuela lose an average of 20 24 pounds, I think it was, in 2019. So basically around 20 pounds a year from starvation. And I'll do a plug for my show. One of the people we interviewed is this really great guy named Franklin. Or maybe, 
I think it was Franklin's talk, or maybe it was Jorge. One of them were telling me about how what shocked them the most when they were coming of age and socialism was really starting to ruin the economy. They had thrown food out in their their garbage and put it out front for it to be picked up. And they saw, they watched as as these humans came and started picking from the garbage that they had just put into the bag and put out there because they had eaten the food. And then to those people that had walked up, that was their food. They were going to eat his scraps. And as, as a young person seeing that, it was truly baffling. And what's so crazy about it, especially the people from Venezuela, they were capable and able to experience a normal middle-class style childhood and youth experience. And then as they came of age, because of the rise of Chavez in power and then Maduro, the country just completely decayed in a matter of what two decades. And so for this latest generation of young adults from Venezuela, they grew up in that normal environment like we are in America today, maybe a little less safer. Um, but they were able to see in just a couple decades the downfall of their country. And it's it's wild when you think of how fast, but at the same time how slow that tri- that that descent had happened. It's very visible now for us to see, but as it's happening, it just seems like, oh, well, here's some inflation now, and, and here's this now, and, and oh, well, I guess that's not good either, and now we're going to have these rationed grocery and, and gas cards, and, oh, we also have to use these to go vote in the elections, and that's getting back to that point, that card where you have your grocery purchasing power, and you use that for health care as well, you use it for all your other services that the government gives you, it's also at the voting polls, and so... The force that is used, and this happens in Cuba as well, the force and pressure put onto you by the regime in power to comply, to continue to support them in these fake fraudulent elections, or you will not be able to use that card because you're exposed via that card, they're able to track you with everything that you do. And they're able to limit what you can get for yourself and what you can provide for yourself and your family via the card if you don't follow what they expect from you. So this idea of monitoring is very, very dangerous. And that's why, for me, I'm very against socialism, not just because, it, yes, it's a bad economic system, but because it is the, the greatest way to achieve human oppression. Because you control the economy, you control the finances, and when the people rely on you for everything, the people rely on the government for everything that they need to get by, the government is able to control them in every single way possible. It's very dangerous very oppressive and that is why socialism is so bad not to, not just because of the inflation not just because of the economic impacts of it but because of the massive human devastation that comes down the line from that and from that control so this is really disturbing to me to see how i mean in just these two last paragraphs talking about how okay so now we have fauci on the board biden is proposing amendments that allow the who controlled by the ccp to infringe a country's sovereignty if they think that there's a health problem happening they don't even have to check with the country if this amendment gets approved they can just come on in they can just start impacting and enforcing their will their way and some of that will some of that way that they want to do has to do with tracking via cards and via proofs of vaccination and digital proof of vaccination specifically. So we're all going to be in the system. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Liberty Council, they, they're the ones that wrote this. The founder and chairman, Matt Staver, said, quote, the Biden administration has now set America up to cede U.S. sovereignty concerning the health of Americans to the World Health Organization. 
The proposed amendments would give the WHO global jurisdiction over the United States, including the authority to declare national emergencies. We have already seen the lawless abuse of power under Joe Biden by the Centers for Disease Control, which the courts have have fortunately blocked. Americans would have very little recourse against the WHO. America must not give up its sovereignty to the WHO. I can't think of a more important thing right now, you guys. Yes, there's a lot going on, but breaking, destroying American sovereignty to give power to the globalists and to the WHO controlled by the CCP that wants the downfall of the country, wants the downfall of American values, the values of the West. This is insane. I really hope, maybe I'm, Maybe I've gone down a rabbit hole and this is all fake. I really hope so. But I'm seeing too many realistic people, serious people talking about this at this point for this to be a fake story. This is happening. And I'm going to look more into it. But of course, it's impossible to Google this kind of stuff because big tech is censoring everything. So I'm going to keep looking. I'm sorry to sound so heated, but can you not see how serious this is? The whole point of our country being so special, so unique, and so long-lasting compared to other situations, and I don't know, democracies, republics usually collapse after, after this length of time. I think it's, what, 270 years is the average? And we're kind of hitting that. That's a whole other topic. But in general, America is so special because we have checks and balances. We have the ability to hold others accountable in our system. The federal government, the state level, we are a federalist system. Federal government, state, local, law enforcement at the local level, the sheriff's departments at the counties, the state authorities. You have the militia, the National Guard controlled and and led by the states with a little bit of influence with the federal government and then the standing army at the federal government level. There are so many different specific aspects. I mean, our apolitical justice system, the Supreme Court, all of these things play an important role. If you bring in a system, kind of like the fourth branch of bureaucracy, where it's completely unchecked right now, it's impossible to fire a bureaucrat, the legislature has completely given up power to the executive branch bureaucracies to be able to oppress the American people with their regulations, not their laws, because the executive branch doesn't have the ability to make laws, so they just make regulations that oppress us, a.k.a. Dr. Fauci doing things like announcing his health regulations and he's saying he doesn't care about freedom or liberty he just cares about health and then he also does things like hey i've got taxpayer dollars handed to me i get to choose how i want to spend it i'm going to go torture puppies it's because we give bureaucrats spending power and political power decision making power when it should only be via our elected representatives that we put into office every two years or every six years or our president of the United States, not bureaucrats like Fauci. So now take this concept of like Fauci completely unchecked and put it in a global setting where a CCP-funded organization can now invade the United States and say, well, we think there's a health problem, so we're going to have to come in and step in. And thanks to this Biden and Biden administration amendment, they wouldn't even need to talk with us first. That is bonkers. I hope I'm wrong on this. I hope it's not like a, I told you so situation. I don't like being right anymore. I don't like it. Um, Okay, I'm going to stop ranting on this one. Okay, you guys, I know that was a lot. um, But the whole point is that when these red flag behaviors happen from our politicians or on a global scale from global leaders and global organizations, or if we see this kind of stuff in other countries like in communist China, we are not 
an educated population in many ways, but specifically we're not an educated population on socialism and communism and the horrors, especially of the 20th century and the current events of more recent countries and their downfalls like Venezuela. Now, I founded Young Americans Against Socialism in 2019, um, and it was because I, I had so many of my peers. There was all these new statistics coming out that were saying a majority of young Americans would choose socialism. I was shocked by that because those same polls were showing that like 5 to 6% of the population that was asked about their love of socialism, maybe 70% were like, yeah, I'd vote for a socialist. This was in a 2019 YouGov poll. They were like, yeah, I'd vote for a socialist. But then 5 to 6% of that same group said they trust the government, only 5 to 6%. And so I see this as, wow, the education system has completely failed American students, not just one generation, but I would say multiple, you know, of millennials and Gen Z, not properly educated on these things. And so not only is that just concerning because I find it incredibly disrespectful to our veterans, to the individuals that are not, that are being disenfranchised because they weren't given the proper information that they deserve about dangerous ideology, and then they fall victim to the lies of the radical left. But it's also very dangerous in the most important sense that we did not learn how socialists and leftists and communists come to power by promising that they are not they're not scary they're they're not communists castro was like i'm not a communist i'm a democratic humanitarian they call themselves progressives they call themselves democratic socialists they say it's going to be different this time they say it's never been tried before this will be different they have their tactics they also sow division between the population the workers versus the owners the rich versus the poor in america we have cultural marxism where they're splitting us up dividing us based on other forms of identification, not just our class status, but instead think of all of the racism that's going on, the critical race theory, the um, LGBTQIA alphabet mafia. They are dividing us on more cultural forms of identification. So when we hear these things, when we hear them push Marxist talking points, when we, when we see that they're advocating for certain policies, when they're lying about what their intentions are, all of these things, it's like when they're asking for things like what we just talked about, a form of identification that will be trailing us wherever we go to show if we complied with government mandates or not, these are all red flags. And in our heads, as educated people, we would be able to say, oh, wait, this has happened before, and nothing good comes from it. We need to make sure it doesn't happen in America. We should not fall for this. This is a red flag. We should avoid it. Instead, young Americans especially we see this behavior. We see the promises of someone like AOC. We see the, the health guarantees from Dr. Fauci and the WHO that say, this is for your health. Don't worry about your freedom. And we say, oh, well, it's not like they've ever used a crisis to come to power before and have people exchange their freedom for a false sense of security before. This sounds like a good idea. We don't think in our head, oh, this is concerning. This is not good behavior whenever it's been tried before. We just go along with it, and so it, it's very, very dangerous. Now, when I first got involved, I didn't, you know, I'm just one gal, and I'm my little nonprofit, but I do feel very impactful with telling the stories of people that have lived through it because they can talk about what it's like to have the slow descent of their country, watch the people around them fall for the lies of the person coming to power, and then the person that came to power destroys the country. So hearing that timeline of the destruction of the society that they once knew is, is fascinating to me and incredibly educational for everybody because we're not getting that in the classroom. Now that being said, there is 
there's a few tactics, and I, I could do a separate episode on this, but I just wanted to give a shout-out because Florida is one of the states leading the way on this. Education is not a federal issue. In the last episode or two episodes ago, we did one on abortion, and I explained that the issue with getting rid of Roe v. Wade, people are saying, well, if Roe v. Wade is taken away by the Supreme Court and struck down, does that mean we can't have abortions anymore? No, what's happening is they are saying that the Constitution doesn't say that the federal government has jurisdiction over the decisions of abortion. States The Tenth Amendment says that states have the power to handle everything that is not specifically cited and handed to the federal government in the Constitution and our founding documents. And so actually, uh, education is also one of those things that is not constitutionally assigned to the federal government. So I I hate the Department of Education. I think it's completely dangerous and destructive and a waste of money in many ways. And it creates indoctrination camps and shoveling kids through this factory farming system of education that just creates compliers instead of free thinkers and creative people and good citizens, prepared people that will be good members and good additions to the community. Well, states, when we talk about reforming education, yeah, I want to whack out the Department of Education, but if we think more practically, there's other ways we could do this. So at a state level, we need to be making sure that our individual states that we live in are very much in favor of supporting school choice. So that means making sure that the tax dollars, if tax dollars are paid to education, they need to follow the child. They shouldn't just be funneled into the public education system and then be given a never-ending supply of money to that public school that never has the incentive to improve itself. Instead, that money needs to follow the child so the child can and the parents can have that child go to the best school for that child and their future. So we need to be supporting, via state legislation, charter schools, private schools, religious schools, homeschooling, and there's blue states that make it very difficult to take your kid out of public school, and it's not that they say uh, homeschooling is banned or charter schooling is banned. They just overwhelm the homeschool parents or the homeschool pods or the charter schools with requirements, reporting requirements, regulations, and expectations that are almost impossible to achieve and keep up with, and it's very intimidating because you don't want to upset the government. They'll come in and It leads to parents being like, you know, I'll just keep them in public school. So there's free states when it comes to understanding and respecting educational freedom. And then there's states that completely want to just pigeonhole you and force you to send your kid to public school. So that's one of the things. The other is curriculum. And so this can be changed from a school board level or a local level up to a state level. And that's where we're going to focus on right now to praise DeSantis in Florida because Washington Post headline says DeSantis mandates lessons on communism for high school students. This is wonderful. The article, uh, let's see, by Lindsay Bever, says Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into law Monday establishing a new state holiday known as, quote, Victims of Communism Day, on which public schools are required to teach schools about, or students, about communist regimes. The law states that starting next year, Victims of Communism Day will be observed by public schools on November 7th. On that day, high schoolers will receive lessons in their U.S. government classes about the atrocities that have been imposed by communist governments. DeSantis said during a news conference that the day is meant to honor more than the more than 100 million people who have fallen victim to communist regimes across the world. He said, quote, 
We want to make sure that every year folks in Florida, but particularly our students, will learn about the evils of communism, the dictators who have led communist regimes, and the hundreds of millions of individuals who have suffered and continue to suffer under the weight of this discredited ideology. <laughs> you guys, I'm going to cry a little bit because like this is my whole life's work right now. I like my nonprofit interviews these people that suffered so much and their voices are often stifled and silenced and um i just find it so unfortunate and so i have my little impact with just my little nonprofit. but to see a whole state especially florida um that's that's really special and impactful so i'm not gonna tear up um just kidding i already did it okay but the whole point is that there's other states that can follow suit in this and if you feel like you want to have a positive impact in the world around you and especially in our future you need to look into if your state properly educates the students on these dangerous, dangerous ideologies. And that is one very impactful way, whether you're a homeschool mom right now, or maybe you're a young person that, that is focusing on your career and you're going to transition to family life in the future. And, and you kind of want to feel like you're involved in something. You want to have greater purpose. You want to perform your ministry, whatever it may be. This might be your calling. Okay. Check out what your state does regarding, um, the curriculum on these topics and even check out what your school board does, because this can be a local thing. Thing as well. So you guys, very special. Thank you to Ron DeSantis for leading the way in so many ways, but then especially on this. And you guys, everything we talked about in this episode goes back to the fact that we are an unenlightened population. And these little lessons, even if it's just a day, obviously I want to have a lot more education than just one Victims of Communism Day where they're taught. But this is a great start, okay? The more we know about this stuff, the more we can prevent it and the more we can prevent our peers, our friends, our family members from becoming useless or useful idiots used by the radical left because they understand that that most of us don't know what they're even talking about. It's very concerning. Just to close up, you guys, remember how last time we talked about baby formula? I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because this is like an extreme episode. But you guys, it turns out the Biden administration knew this baby formula mess was happening as early as February, has done nothing to try and fix it. And this is what Jen Psaki said when she was asked about the problem. Let's hear it. Since you said it was a public health question, which agency should that question be directed to? Just the very practical, immediate question of if you can't find formula and you need it for your baby to eat, what should they be doing? Uh, We would certainly uh, encourage any parent who has concerns about their child's health or well-being to call their doctor or pediatrician. Oh, thank you so much, Jen Psaki. 50% of our baby formula comes from communist China. Communist China is locked down right now, and it's really hard to get any products from them because they are a dictatorial regime run by the Communist Party. And Shanghai is completely locked down. Its people are being completely oppressed. They're killing pets just to try and end the spread of COVID-19. It's a big mess. Either way, that's one of the problems. We have general supply chain issues because the government, the evil politicians and bureaucrats thought that they could beat the laws of economics, of law, the laws of nature and nature's God and the laws of economics, and control the economy by shutting it down during a pandemic and then printing money with inflation, causing us to now have to spend an average of five to six thousand dollars more this year on daily goods because of inflation and now all of this has led on top of that to the shutting down of the largest u.s baby manufacturing plant abbott we talked about this in the last episode and i had said you guys it's it's quite strange because they aren't acting very um urgently and some information has come out so not only did they not know they knew about this they knew about this since february 
but it's also a little sketchy because just like how they're telling us to like eat soy-based food and to not drink actual milk not only don't drink raw milk but don't even drink dairy just drink just drink nuts blended up and mixed with water and then it looks kind of white and then we can call it milk that's a lot healthy for healthier for you guys you should totally do that or drink soy milk and then while we're at it you should just slather your body with oxybenzone which is a carcinogen and uh We'll call it sunscreen, and it, it'll definitely be good for you. But don't actually go out in the sun, and especially if you have COVID, don't get vitamin D. Don't go out in the sun. That would that would be really weird. And then also, exercising is like far-right nationalism, okay? So don't do that either. And if you have kids, you basically want to destroy the world, and how dare you? Very selfish. So now on top of this, you have the experts like Bill Gates, the epitome of health, right? So he owns more farmland than anybody else in the United States, and that is incredibly suspicious to begin with. I should do an episode on that alone. Um, They say don't eat red meat. Eat the Impossible Burgers, right? Eat the Impossible Burgers. That's a lot healthier for you than than the evil red meat. And don't eat too many eggs. Um, Just eat a bunch of processed food that's approved by the FDA. On top of all of this, now they're also working on this thing called lab-produced breast milk. And it's by the same people that make the Impossible Burgers. And people were just, you know, starting to mention online that it's like, you know, kind of suspicious, suspicious timing that this is all happening, right, as articles are being written about the development of Bill Gates and his new investment in an anti-climate change effort. They are trying because apparently the production of baby formula is bad for the environment. So they want to create lab breast milk for babies to start consuming. And I thought it was interesting because Candace Owens, she had tweeted, doesn't Bill Gates just have the best luck? Just like with the COVID vaccine, he makes an investment and then suddenly there is a pandemic or shortage and everyone must line up for his product. Of course he's invested in lab-produced breast milk. It was quite strange. And I don't have much to say other than I just find that quite strange because then remember if you if you listened to the last episode where we broke down the entire baby formula shortage, we closed off on the fact that the Abbott plant, the largest manufacturer of baby formula in the country, was shut down because of bacteria. So it made sense. It had to be cleaned, all this stuff, but the federal government had no plans to fix that. And so now there's a massive shortage. And the only thing preventing us from moving forward right now to reopen the plant is just the government approving the new cleanliness expectations. They just haven't done the process. We're just waiting for them to do the process. And I had said, and it's very weird with this lack of urgency. And I played the clip of Bethany Mandel explaining that they had the same lack of urgency when there was issues with young boys that were, or young men that were taking one of the COVID vaccines, that they were experiencing a unique health symptom after the vaccines. And the government was like, oh, we'll test it in like five weeks. We'll, we'll have a hearing on it in five weeks. Very weird. But I just find it a bit strange. Of all things, one of the most crucial things in this life is to protect the innocent. And I'm not talking about abortion right now, but I mean like providing the basic nutrients, feeding infants. And it's very, very weird to me. Very weird timing. I don't want to say anything beyond that, but I did think it was quite strange. Now, but you guys, before I close out, uh, something else caught my eye that I wanted to just bring up. Something that I've been really frustrated by is this governance disinformation board. We've talked about it already before, but basically... It's never something good. We, the conservatives, are accused of spreading disinformation whenever we talk. And often what is accused of being disinformation when it comes out of our mouths ends up being true three weeks later. So, and even people like Joe Rogan have said that, and I love it. So this is what the White House tweeted. 
They said, when President Biden took office, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. There was no vaccine available, you guys. In the last 15 months, the economy has created 8.3 million jobs and the unemployment rate stands at 3.6. The fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term ever recorded. Wow. Now, I'm no fan of the vaccine. Listen, I'm happy it exists for the older people out there and maybe the people that are at risk that are willing to take the risk to take such a new vaccine. Go ahead. I'm happy for you if your life was at risk from COVID. I am passionately against COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Those are disgusting. There's a big difference between celebrating the creation of a vaccine for the people that may need it and actually supporting the force of forcing people to take the vaccine when they are not at risk of dying from COVID or even getting badly sick from COVID and then doing things like taking their job away from them because they won't do so, sickening, disgusting. There's a huge difference. But that being said, even though I'm not a a big fan of the vaccine in general, to say that there was no vaccine is a lie. President Trump, his administration... Operation Warp Speed is what created the vaccines, the private-public partnerships between companies and the government to rapidly find solutions. Now, I have my own thoughts on Big Pharma and the mess of all that, but right now we're talking about the disinformation, purposeful propaganda being put up by the White House, because it is a bold-faced lie. And then to carry it even further, that the economy has created 8.3 million jobs. They did not create jobs. The economy was shut down. And then people, as the economy opened back up, went back to work. That's how that worked. People didn't join the workforce for the first time. Jobs were not created. People were just finally able to go back to their jobs after the economy was shut down by these idiots. And then that, the unemployment rate stands at an incredibly low rate. Well, guess guess what, you guys? It's because unemployment is considered to be people that are looking for work but can't find a job. Instead, we have many, many, many jobs, I think maybe 2 million jobs, available for people that aren't able to be filled because the government has incentivized staying home now and not working because that's what happens under liberal policies. That's what happens when you create a welfare state. The government incentivizes you to just stay home and stop looking for a job. So when people are asked, they aren't looking for a job on the questionnaire. So they don't count as unemployed. And it helps to lower the unemployment rate in the eyes of political pollsters. So this is a big lie. A big, big, big lie. And this is a lie by the same people that created a governance disinformation board to monitor and prevent disinformation. And of course, it's going to be used weaponized against the conservatives. That's how it's going to work. Um, Incredibly frustrating. But the more we just let them change history like this and don't call them out and don't pay attention, the easier it becomes for them to do so again and again and again. So we need to keep paying attention to what they're saying and hold them accountable. That being said, I'm just little old me, so spread the word that they're big liars for me. And with that being said, you guys, I hope you have a nice um I hope you have a nice weekend. Thank you for listening.
If you want a flag from my workshop, a wooden American flag, go to zeggersfreedomflags.shop. You could use code FREEDOM. Stay tuned for the interviews with survivors of communism because a lot of the subjects we talked about today are actually discussed in the episodes. Um, for now, just go subscribe to Young Americans Against Socialism on YouTube and Rumble. And then subscribe to this podcast and let people know that you listen to it if you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.